What's up guys, welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, we're on episode 94 this week. Oh man, it's the holidays. I hope everybody enjoyed Thanksgiving and last week's interview with Darren LaPerry. Oh my gosh, that was a good one about 21 Bridges and just his interaction with J.K. Simmons and Chadwick Boseman. Absolutely, absolutely. And thankful for 94 episodes. Yeah, man. I mean, come on now. I know. A lot to be thankful for this year. Definitely, definitely. Well, we got another great show for you guys this week. We got Tucky Williams coming on inside the Crazy Ant Farm today. Huge indie filmmaker. She talks about you don't have to be in Hollywood to be able to be a filmmaker and get your name out there because she's doing it from Kentucky, guys, the Midwest. Yeah. She's rocking and rolling, got the blue check mark on twitter like there's a lot of stuff to talk to her about huge indie film success like we said so can't wait for everyone to hear this one and you know we got a whole bunch of industry news to talk about dominated Um, by disney again yeah basically (laughs) basically it's been a couple weeks we were kind of shocked the past couple episodes hadn't been dominated by disney but they're back exactly exactly man it's so much it's so much well, of course, your hosts for this week are myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only Mal. What up? And before we get started, we just want to apologize for our nasally congestedness. <laughs> you know, it's getting to that sicky time it's of the year. Yeah. I mean, what do you expect? It was either one person walk back to the car and get sick, or all of us walk That's back right. to the car That's and right. get sick. It's okay. It's inevitable. It seems like it's inevitable. Um, but it is Christmas time, so we want to make sure to tell everybody to go over to our website, crazyantmedia.com and pick up the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear because who doesn't want to wear some Crazy Ant Media gear? Bonk on the t-shirt. I mean, that's the most popular thing right now, our mascot bonk. And, I mean, people love him. Yeah, absolutely. And we can't stress enough, again, California bags, plastic bags. You can literally just get yourself a Crazy Ant bag with bonk on it. Bring it to the grocery store. It's perfect. It's a perfect thing. You don't have to worry about plastic bags. It is. I mean, come on. Target (laughs) doesn't even have them. Bring bonk. You're good to go. Good to go. Good to go. Well, we want to start this thing off with a little controversy. Warner Media, Clint Eastwood's newest Mm. upcoming film, Richard Jewell, is at the center of the controversy discussion this week due to it, it due to its depiction of Atlanta Journal Constitution reporter Kathy Scruggs, played by Olivia Wilde in the film. Um, the film suggests that Scruggs offered to sleep with an FBI agent for information for the news. Now, this is a huge topic right now. I mean, we have Bombshell coming out, and yeah. Oprah's about to do a thing when it comes to sexual misconduct. So it's huge breaking in real life, but now it seems like the movie and television side of things want to depict it on screen. Yeah, yeah, and and this one's causing some heat. I mean, we, you know, we had the current editor of uh, the paper come out and say uh, that there's no evidence that this ever happened and called the film suggestion that Scruggs traded sex for news offensive and deeply troubling in the me too era Mm. but olivia wilde said that she extensively researched this character and did a lot of deep digging you know to to do this role and that she's proud of the role and she and she thinks that it's depicted accurately and you know I, i just feel like during that time a woman in journalism and, and stuff. There probably was a lot. I mean, Barbara Walters for cry, admitted to sleeping her way yeah. to the top. Yeah. I mean, 
she also like they imply also that these two had had a prior sexual relationship yeah so it wasn't just like some random i'm gonna go sleep with right. this fbi guy they're implying that they had had sex before yeah and and kind of knew each other or whatever yeah. but my thing is and i i just think that like to say that that's impossible and never went on, we don't know. She yeah. passed away, we should say, the real reporter, um, from stress issues from this story, from the, the, the what the movie's about, the Richard Jewell story and the heat that she took and, and a lot of the stuff through that whole thing. So she can't say whether it's true or not or defend herself or, or whatever the case may be, but... I'm just saying that to sit there and wholeheartedly deny that anything like that ever happens, yeah. that would be bullshit. Yeah. It happens. Exactly. I mean, and and what I liked, what I read, Olivia Wilde said, you know, it's the typical where it's all placed on the woman, mm-hmm. you know, sexualizing the woman and what she does or whatever. But John Hamm is being left out of the conversation, mm-hmm. the FBI character that John Hamm plays. Right. It's like. Nobody's talking about that his character agreed to sleep with the woman to yeah, give to her information info, or trade yeah. info. Or I think one of the exact lines was like, you fucked your way into this, but you can't fuck information out of me yeah. or whatever like that. But nobody – and she – rightfully so. Nobody – I haven't heard John Hamm's character or John Hamm himself come up in the conversation at all. Yeah. So like why do we do that? I think yeah. that adds to the problem. Well, and I mean – Film critics are just bashing this one, obviously, because of the whole Me Too era, which, I mean, you know, it happens, it happens. It all depends on how the actual person is feeling about the certain situation or the topic at hand. But Clint Eastwood, he's very blunt about some situations. He is. So I'm not at all surprised if it comes off as offending people in some sort of way because he's an older fellow and he doesn't give a fuck, really. No, so, and, and you know, that said, he's also very accurate yeah. so i feel like he's not gonna put something in there that what i think a lot of his bluntness and a lot of the stuff that's in his film that becomes comes across as offensive is also accurate yeah. to the time periods that he's talking about yeah. or, or to the characters and i feel this is probably the same way i, I just don't think clint is going to just throw something into a film or agree to have something thrown into a film that isn't accurate yeah. as to what he's trying to portray. So I don't know. I mean, like I said, we there's no way there we can't question this woman. <laughs> you know, there's no right. way to know whether she did or didn't do it. But um I think it's a stupid controversy. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a film, guys, and while it is, you know, real life people you know why is nobody jumping all over any other real life thing about you know this portrayed that way or this portrayed? I mean, it's all it's Hollywood, man. Yeah, exactly. It's I mean, I can't wait to see the film. I mean, honestly, if I mean, it goes back to any publicity is good publicity because you're being talked about. Right. I mean, it goes back to that a little bit. I so mean, I mean, it makes me want to see the film even more and see what people are talking about to see if it was as bad as people are depicting it to exactly. be. Exactly. So, and I mean, it's already got a ton of Oscar buzz. Yeah. So, I mean, even more so. Like you said, publicity's publicity, so. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, sticking with Warner Brothers and HBO, HBO has greenlit the White House Plumbers, a five-part limited series starring Woody Harrelson and Justin uh, Thurox? Is that uh, Thoreau. Thoreau. Yep. Uh, two huge guys I know right why now. you didn't want to say that name right, uh, because he's like his Jennifer Aniston's yeah, guy. Yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, you know, know yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, fuck him! Yeah, 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 that guy. But um, <laughs> limited series seem to be huge right now, especially about huge major topics, like when they see us on Netflix, or in this case... Um, 
Watergate scandal. Yeah, yeah, and this falls right into line with what Amazon's doing with Billy Ray with the, with the whole James Comey miniseries, uh-huh. or not Amazon, CBS. Forgive me, CBS. Um, so yeah, this is popular stuff right now, and Lord knows it's like you know fiction, you know following reality with everything that's going on in Washington right now. Could potentially see another impeachment process playing out. So it makes sense. I mean, it definitely makes sense. And I like this one, though. Woody Harrelson and Justin Thoreau, that's going to be pretty good. They're yeah. playing uh, E. Howard Hunt and G. Gordon Liddy, mm-hmm. who anybody familiar with the Watergate scandal knows those names backwards and forwards. And, they, I mean, basically these guys were tasked by Nixon to protect the presidency at all costs, really. And yet – through their actions really exposed accidentally yeah, the whole Watergate scandal that brought the presidency down. Yeah. So it's kind of like – it should be a really interesting miniseries. Yeah. I, I just – I wonder if they're going to have a Roger Stone character in that because a lot of people forget he was a young intern back in the day yeah, going yeah. through that. He had to testify as well. I mean it's a lot gonna of It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Be and, an I mean, Woody Harrelson, he seems to like political stuff because, I mean, he was LBJ yeah, in that yeah. fucking movie. Um so I'm excited to see it. Honestly, he's one of my favorites. So Mine too. Roll, and man. look, political stuff has been doing really well lately. It has. So, you know, it took a little dip for a little while, but it's certainly made a huge comeback. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think and I think these places, HBO and, and CBS All Access, and those are the right venues for these type series yeah. too, I think. You know, I, ju- I just think that plays better than on screen or, you know, in the, in the theaters or whatever. I just feel like that's the proper venue yeah. for these type, you know, well, stories. Also, I mean, especially with the limited series, like maybe it could have been a film, but if there's so much detail and there's so much more you want to tell, yeah. like, I mean, we're going to talk about The Irishman. It can extend the movie process way longer than it possibly should have been. Maybe The Irishman and my opinion, would have been more entertaining as a limited series. Right, right. But, I mean, you know, maybe they were going for that Oscar buzz, but we'll talk about The Irishman a little bit later. But, like I said, these limited series are really hot right now, so we'll see how this one They are, and I think out. you nailed it perfectly right there, because sometimes I think they need a little bit more spread out duration to tell the story. Yeah. Uh, two examples I think of right off the bat, Cheney and um, Front Runner with Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. Neither successful at yeah. the box office. And I feel like because they tried to tell a story. Are you talking about Vice? Vice, Vice yeah. yeah, with Cheney. Uh, Dick Cheney, thank you. Um, yeah, yeah I, neither successful, but I feel like it's because they tried to condense a whole history of these two political figures into a two hour span. And yeah. uh, sometimes you need more to it than that like yeah. i would have loved to have seen the gary hart story told in a miniseries yeah as opposed to trying yeah. to cram two hours in with hugh jackman you know yeah but anyway agreed agreed oh man now time to head over to mm. some conspiracy theory shit mm. well some shit has been confirmed guys by the man himself Zack snyder <laughs> he has confirmed that his director's cut the snyder cut of justice league does exist he posted the fucking film on uh, his social media profile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, reels of the film. Yeah. Whew, you just scared people. Are like, what? He posted the film. <laughs> um, yeah, it, which was very interesting. The film canisters uh, it labeled ZS, obviously Zack Snyder, JL, Justice League, and Director's Cut. Duh, I think it's pretty clear what it is. Right. Um, here's the crazy part. Running time. He, he put in the caption also, runtime, 214 minutes. Guys, that's three and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. So the Snyder Cut is three and a half hours long as opposed to two hours of the theatrical release. Yeah. 
That's so much extra footage, so much shit that clearly was not in the Whedon cut that we saw. Mm-hmm. Like, that should get fans, like, I would watch it for three and a half hours, though. I would, I swear I would, with no problem at all. But, I mean, that also goes back to another Irishman thing. Like, maybe that should be a limited series as well. I mean, we see how they're breaking up Crisis on Infinite Earth, so, it's I true. mean, why not break it up as a limited series on HBO Max? Yeah, I mean, it, it, look, well, and we'll talk about Crisis in a minute, because I just, I really do think that translates so with what's going on in the dc films but he did he did finish it by saying does it exist of course it exists is what he finished it with but warner brothers quick to come back out and say that the snyder cut isn't likely to be released anytime soon if at all um snyder then fouled with not to lose hope um it, that he wants to see it released. Yeah. So this I seems think this to be, is going to have to be a lot of fan support. They're yeah. just going to have to keep pushing for it so that Warner Brothers will see people really want this, so we have to release it in some capacity. Right, right. Does, does the DCEU have a Tom Holland? Right. Like, because, yeah. I mean, apparently, you know, they need a Tom Holland to just call up these guys and oh, say, exactly. look, let's get this out there. I don't I don't know. Um, <laughs> so funny. Um all of the all of the cast, we should say, except for Henry Cavill, interesting, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But all of them have come out in support. Mm-hmm. They've all used the hashtag "release the Snyder cut." Um, they all uh, Momoa, Aquaman himself, has seen it has apparently. Seen it. Yeah. Um, so, Which is it makes me wonder because what we saw is it's not spliced together or edited together. So right? Has he really? Right. Seen well, it may, I, the only thing I can think of is maybe that he's seen footage and he's seen the whole plot yeah. line and he knows how it all plays out yeah. is how he's saying he's yeah. – because that was one of the controversies. How could have he seen it? We haven't even known that, that it exists. You know, He's out there telling people he's seen it, but maybe that's it. Maybe yeah. he's seen the footage of yeah. what Zach has you know, and yeah, knows the – some dailies or some shit. Yeah, like, but. yeah. Now, I don't know if that all that's enough though because Warner Brothers seems pretty intent on – not releasing it i like uh, let's talk about henry cavill for a minute because this this whole thing he is not he's not against the snyder cut he said he wasn't even aware that it existed or didn't exist or even about the hashtag movement uh, which i believe he's been busy with the witcher and like all this other stuff but he said he wishes that it maybe wouldn't be released because he doesn't want to focus on the past he just wants to move forward yeah this dude has so much potential i mean if he doesn't even know that if he's going to play Superman ever again. Yeah, although wants to. Yeah, he cleared yeah. that up for the fans, too. He said, look, the cape is still in my closet. There's a lot of story left to tell here, and I want to do it. I'm yeah. not I'm not ready to give up the cape is basically what he said. Yeah. I, I love that. And, and then his reasoning for to go further with what he said about not releasing the Snyder Cut, he felt, and I wholeheartedly agree with Cavill on this, that – Man of Steel, guys, for anybody who forgets, and I think a lot of people have forgotten, kicked off the DCEU. It was the film that started it all. He thinks that they rushed along with the Justice League and Batman vs. Superman and that he would have rather seen a sequel to Man of Steel prior to that. I agree with him. They were just trying to compete. They were. That's what it was. They were. I mean, they rushed that shit way too fast. And for reading into kind of what he's saying is I feel like he would just – rather forget those two movies and just move forward with the sequel to man of steel as if those other two had never happened he said that was a a solid story with a lot to go from to spring off of into the next movie i agree with him yeah i agree with him so that leads to the next story where warner brothers has stated that 
The future of Superman is murky because they reportedly are unsure how to make the character, now this is their exact quote, relevant to modern audiences. Mm. And with no script or director attached, it's unlikely we'll see a new Superman film before 2023. Yeah. Um, you guys, I'm sure, have seen the stories. Michael B. Jordan apparently pitched one for the black Superman, um, which was received well, but it was unable to take place. J.J. Abrams has apparently pitched an idea. There, there's been conversation, but nothing moving forward. Yeah. And the reason being is because they said they don't know how to make it relevant. I didn't hate Man of Steel. Yeah. I thought it was pretty damn relevant. Yeah. You know, in all the stuff that's going on in society today with immigration and coming to this country and being an outsider and all this kind of... Fuck, Superman is the... The ultimate fucking immigrant. He's this guy for that that comes from nowhere and is acclimated into America and treated like you. You know, I mean, but but is the epitome of hope and 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 the future and everything good and and like is is I, I just don't know how they say he's not a relevant character. Well, my he thing screams is relevancy. I don't think they know how to, and this is for all of their DC characters. I don't think they know how to find that massive audience appeal. For anyone who is not a comic book person. Just because, I mean, it's obviously not Marvel. It's not going to be the lighthearted touch. I mean, they're obviously going in a darker direction. But I just, I don't think they can find that mass audience appeal as Marvel is getting. And I think that's their bar. They're trying to raise up to I, that yeah, bar. And uh, if that's the case, I think that's the mistake. Because when they did go a little bit lighter in tone with Wonder Woman and Aquaman and then Shazam was really comedic those were all hugely successful films not as successful as Marvel but like you said that bar is never going to be attained by Warner Brothers I I think they shouldn't even try and that's the key yeah they shouldn't even try just make your own stuff don't try to you know emulate what Marvel's doing because I mean let's be honest about it Marvel does help in the sense of superheroes are hot right now so no matter what your movie is going to be a box office hit but you have to figure out a way to make the story relevant and good right now for your audience right they're trying to find their audience i feel like and it's kind of bobbing and weaving through the woods well and i I tell you I, i this is the the baffling thing to me and i think that everybody needs to go back and find this interview with with kevin feige pay attention to it listen to it and hear what he says okay they're talking about they can't figure out how to make Superman relevant, mm-hmm. and they're trying so hard to compete with Marvel. But Kevin Feige directly says that every Marvel movie comes from Superman the movie, the Christopher Reeve first movie. He makes them watch it yeah. before they make a Marvel movie because it all stems from that film. Patty Jenkins said it. James Wan said it for Aquaman. Any of the successful films that we've seen have said that they have taken from that film because that's the one they all want to to be like. So if that doesn't scream to Warner Brothers that Superman is relevant, they're all copying Superman. So just... Go back to Superman. That, yeah. that that's. I, they need to find a way to make him a person and not this larger than life figure. Because I think that's kind of what they were doing in these latest adaptations. Like, don't get me wrong, I did enjoy Man of Steel, but in these latest re- or makes of Superman, I feel like they were making him this Jesus esque figure when they need to get back to him working at the Daily Planet, his love story with Lois. I, I agree with you on that. I, I I mean I agree with that. That's that's what they've been doing, but. 
the first film, Superman, also did that. But what they all what they did correctly is what you just said. They also humanized it. That's what and, I'm saying. And, yeah. and I think the difference being. And and this is not to knock any of the other actors or any of the other directors or anybody that's attempted to move past the 78 Superman um, or Superman 2. Because as for many people know, if you're a geek, you know, it was all one movie, really. So it's Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve was able to, with his interpretation of Clark Kent, take a god and make him human Mm -hmm. that that's what he did and it was all physical it was in the mannerisms it was in the pushing up of the glasses it was it was the awkwardness around girls it was it was all physical but it was brilliant acting on christopher reeve's part i think that's why it worked then and i think that's why it could work now so i'm just going to throw this out there and we can transition if you've seen the pictures of of and and this is I know people are gonna hit me for this because I've said in the past that I, I just think they should skip Superman Returns and just keep you know Superman one and Superman two. But Brandon Routh as Kingdom Come Superman, okay for Crisis. You brought it up earlier, Crisis on Infinite Earths, a big Arrowverse crossover that's about to happen. If you see those pictures, this man is Superman. Yeah, he is Superman, and they've confirmed that the Kingdom Come Superman is the Superman Returns Superman. Right. In the future. Yeah. So he's playing the same character. Now, I think, while I didn't like the movie because there wasn't enough action in there, I just think that there wasn't enough stuff going on. I didn't like the interpretation of Luther and, and the different things. I do think Brandon Routh was able to capture Christopher Reeve's persona of the character. Right. And I think that's going to happen again mm-hmm. when we see him in the Arrowverse crossover as the, as the Man of Steel. He just gets it. And and those are quotes from, from crew members and cast people from this Arrowverse. Everybody, they said when he walked out on set in the suit, he was undeniably Superman. Mm-hmm. He was just he, – he exuded this this person, right. this, this figure. And even the guy who plays Superman in the Arrowverse, Tyler Hochin, said – that Superman. Yeah. So you've got Superman saying that Superman. It, my personal opinion, you want to you want to reverse course, you want to fix it in the movie side of it. Bring Brandon back. Yeah. Have him be the older, more mature Superman, but have him rehumanize the character because he can do it. Yeah. He could do it. And maybe even Henry Cavill can. They hinted at it. Remember when he was in the suit and tie at the very end of Man of Steel and he goes to the bugle? Yeah. I mean the the planet, the Daily Planet, and 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 he gives a little nod to the original movie. Mm-hmm. That's showing that it's possible. Yeah. I mean, so I don't think there's anything to fix to make him relevant. I know I'm spewing, but I'm a comic book geek, and this is important to me because that's the film, man. That That's the film that made me want to do all this to, to begin with. I just feel like there's nothing to fix. Just go back to what it was, yeah. and you're fine. I think people will eat that shit up. You're trying to tell me that that version of Superman won't play well next to this Wonder Woman or this Aquaman or this Shazam? Yeah. It would be gangbusters. Yeah. And I mean, just... To not do it or avoid it or try to change him. I know there's versions of him that are oriental and versions of him that are black and all this kind of stuff. And, and I mean, I think Michael B. would be brilliant, but that's not the answer. Yeah. The answer is to go back what worked in the first place and what spawned everything that they're trying to do now, which is the original Superman. 
Yeah, but I also feel like they can't rush back into it because they got to take some time off to establish more of these characters in the DC universe. Take a break from Superman for a while. Find your Batman. See if Robert Pattinson's it. Um, keep going with Aquaman. Keep going with Wonder Woman. Definitely with Shazam and the whole Marvel family because, I mean, that was just badass. Fucking when they all popped up at the end, that was amazing. Yeah. But... You need to take a little break, a long development with this next Superman because, like I said, I just – in Batman versus Superman and in Justice League, I just don't think they're doing it right, the larger-than-life figure. You need to make him human. Like you said, make him humanized. Like So take a break, develop it like fucking crazy, and then And that's why – yeah, that's why I liked the Cavill thing. Cavill just wants to pick up from Man of Steel, yeah. which would be him – Working at the Daily Planet and his life with Lois. I mean, we jumped right in in Batman vs Superman. They're in the tub together and they're together. Where? How did that happen? Yeah. Where the relationship? You know, we need to see all that. We need mm-hmm. to see human Clark. You know, and so yeah, I agree with you. Now, whether that's Cavill or Brandon Routh or whoever they decide to make it be, that definitely should be how they go. Yeah. And then to reintroduce them into the 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 universe. I I don't know. Or yeah. maybe like we've talked about so many times. Let's talk about Crisis a little bit. It's going to be fucking epic. Give it to Greg Berlanti and let him run. Right. Because Berlanti will work with Patty Jenkins. He'll work with James Wan. He'll work with all the people who have done all the successful films. And he'll say, here's how we can build this thing. Exactly. Him and Andrew Kreisberg, they've done it. They figured it out. The fucking characters. Just let him in the room. Like, just let him in the room. I feel like he's not privy to any of these films that are going on. No. He fucking built a whole universe over there at the CW. Just let him in the room. Let him have an opinion on some things. Because you know this man has great ideas so why not let him be executive producer be a consultant be yeah, in the room, that's make it. ideas that's like, it consultant or executive producer i mean they keep saying they want to emulate the the, the marvel cinematic universe berlanti's done it the Arrowverse is the equivalent of the mcu but he just happened to have done it on television he's got and you know why it works because of what you said. They're all human. Exactly. They show their flaws, their character flaws. They show them dating or being in love with a woman exactly. and he can't have them or, the, or, or you know, the awkwardness of losing your job or, or your, your stepmom becomes pregnant. All these are real storylines in the Arrowverse that have happened that make them relevant and, and, and normal. Exactly. So even though they're running around with all these massive powers, they're living normal lives. Exactly. And Berlanti was able to do I just, if you want to fix the fucking movie universe, let Berlanti yeah, and I mean, I feel like such a huge reason why Shazam was so successful is because it's just an everyday kid who gets superpowers. Yeah, so exactly. Kid, it's yeah, it's great, man. So we got we got to see what happens. I'm I'm pulling for him because they have so much great characters that they can use, but. It's got to be the right way. It has to be the right way. Yeah. It has to be. Mm-hmm. So excited though about freaking crisis yeah it's gonna be great when does that come come out man december 8th man yeah so it's coming up yeah (laughs) super pumped super pumped hell yeah hell yeah well now let's transition into the disney marvel side of things black widow or at least their Mm. first teaser trailer but this whole thing always confuses the crap out of me because the teaser trailer is like two minutes long but mulan also released their trailer and it's like also two minutes long right they called that the official but whatever 
put trailers aside, this teaser trailer of Black Widow was badass. Totally badass. Yeah. We see the white costume. Dude. We see the whole introduction of how she became the, you know, the whole Widow program mm-hmm. and, and, and the back. We see the Russian version of Captain America with David Harbour. Exactly. Uh, I, I, just so many good things happening in that trailer that excited the shit out of me. Um, I'm pumped for this one. Um, and for anybody who's not familiar or not even after watching the trailer, and if you're not comic geeks like we are or just not, you know, this will takes place because i know what the layman people are thinking but she's dead yeah okay this takes place before infinity war and 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 endgame this This is when she's in hiding guys yes when everybody is still like mad at each other iron man is not okay with cap and they're away from each other. exactly everybody's in hiding so she's going off to figure out her own shit for the time being exactly after civil war before Infinity War. Yes. There you go. So don't freak out. That show, oh, they brought her back. Blah, blah, blah. So, but I'm I'm super, super pumped for this one. I just think there's so much story to tell with her. Mm-hmm. And this seems to be like they're going in the right direction. And literally what we were just talking about. They're sitting around the table. Two daughters making fun of their dad with a fat joke. Yeah. Humanizing exactly. it. Uh, that's what why Marvel works. Exactly. Because exactly. it's all these badass people, but they're also telling fat yeah. jokes. Exactly. Like and, and and it's not fat shaming. It's just a joke. Exactly. Like, calm bad, down, social guys. media man, back off. It's it's a sensitive time now. It's a sensitive time. But. It is. It is. And you you brought up a poll recently of most anticipated movies and women, man, Black Widow and Wonder Woman are neck and neck in this poll. Yeah. Like that's the ones people want to see. Yeah, those are the most exciting ones um eternals is actually more uh, desired at the box office than birds of prey which is surprising to me which goes back to do people not want to see dc team-up movies yeah yeah there's so many reasons i mean i think everybody wants to see harley quinn again but is there backlash because there's no joker in it is there backlash because of what happened with jared leto do they want to see joaquin phoenix's joker in it you know i mean there's so many reasons i think that maybe birds of prey maybe they just don't want to see that because they're waiting to see harley quinn again in suicide squad yeah i mean who knows i i don't know but i'm excited for it yeah i think it's gonna be a great movie so i am too i am too um a lot of something a lot of people don't know uh jared leto actually tried to get the production of joaquin phoenix's joker stopped he didn't want that movie to be made no no because he wanted his joker interpretation to go forward with his own solo movie and harley quinn and which now i don't think that's gonna happen i don't either but he had i think i think every right he was still under contract to play joker yeah when they moved forward with the other joker movie i'd have been pissed off too yeah I just think, you know, I I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But Marvel, not, you know, they have a little of their own controversy going on. Uh, We talked about this before. Kevin Feige now runs Marvel, all of Marvel. That includes Marvel TV. And we talked about, you know, all these projects that were announced for Marvel TV with on Hulu and and all these different things. We we know they already got rid of Ghost Rider. That's not going to happen. Done. Out of there. Well, now... Erica Rivanoja, she was the the showrunner for Tigra and Dazzler, which is one of the four animated series that they had uh, put for Hulu. Um, she was fired along with her entire writing staff. Mm. Um, production of the show has been put on hold while they look for a new showrunner, and it's going to have to start completely over from scratch. Yeah. They're saying that the departure was over creative differences. Um, 
Here's the thing, though. Now that Marvel TV is also under Kevin Feige, everything's kind of up in limbo because Feige admitted that they're looking at all of the Marvel TV projects one-on-one and and deciding, making decisions about whether they think they should move forward or not. So while the initial word is that this one is just halted, Feige might decide to just kill it all together. I mean, the only one that we know for sure that has actually started and seems to be going along okay and that Feige seems to be okay with is Kevin Smith's Howard the Duck. Yeah, and I mean... it makes sense, too, because I feel like they have a good relationship. They have a tight-knit relationship. And Howard the Duck Easter eggs have been dropped all throughout the MCU. Yeah. So it makes sense. He was one of the people who came back in the um, at the endgame scene. So, I mean, it's no, by no surprise. But like you said, everything else is just up in limbo. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and I'm kind of upset about that. I mean, I love Kevin Feige. I think he's just brilliant in everything that he's done. But I'm kind of upset that we saw the demise of the Netflix show. We we saw the demise of Runaways and, and Cloak and Dagger. You know, Runaways is getting ready to wrap up. They announced that they're not going to go past this season with that one. And, I mean, is this Feige just trying to focus on all of the MCU people and just eliminate anything that happened on the TV side until his TV side is is created with right. all the spinoffs from the – because I think that is just wrong. Yeah. I mean, Cloak and Dagger and Runaways and all of the, the Netflix shows, they were – brilliant yeah. interpretations of these characters just merge them into exactly. the mcu because i mean trying to think from his point of view like trying to tie all of these things into the mcu like tie it all into the storylines they were already doing that they were already referencing stark technology and exactly. runways and cloak and dagger and all the other ones on netflix as well yeah so, they I referred mean, to the new york uh incident and yeah. and you know they name dropped several of the, of the of the characters exactly and they're fucked for marvel themselves for the longest time had the whole hashtag it's all connected it's exactly. all connected they were trying to do that and one tweet that, that you know we saw ming na win she confirmed it mm-hmm. they even showed that that she has natasha on her speed dial because exactly. natasha was part of shield for a little while exactly so it clearly is all connected i just i don't know i thought that the netflix versions of those characters daredevil and 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 jessica jones and and all these characters were brilliant yeah. punisher all of them were just brilliant runaways and cloak and dagger were spot on i just think it's a mistake if they just totally eliminate that and yeah. not move forward just maybe my it, opinion. Maybe but. it was out of spite because of uh, he had such limited reign with old boy at the top seat. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was just out of spite or maybe he just can't figure out a way to work it in. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jeff Loeb, former head of Marvel TV, was pretty tight with Ike Permeliter, who yeah. was Marvel's – well, <laughs> I said was. Still is, but he's – basically been shelved yeah and kevin feige's running the whole thing um so maybe that maybe it is something to do with that i i I don't know but i trust feige and bob Iger, so whatever they're trying to do but i wish they would find some way and i know the save daredevil people do too to incorporate these characters that existed in there somehow yeah because it was brilliant stuff man hell yeah hell yeah well, transitioning into the other huge mega franchise over at Disney, Star Wars. Get this, guys. Disney Plus has ordered a competition show, Star Wars 
uh, series, uh, the Jedi Temple Challenge yes. series with Hamid Best, who played Jar Jar Binks in the prequels. He is going to host this thing. Now, this will test each of the contestants' Jedi principles, such as strength, bravery, and knowledge. The show will also feature a humanoid droid voiced by Mary Holland. Yes, this is interesting. I was just happy to see that Ahmad Best was going to come back to host it because, guys, the reaction to Jar Jar Binks was so bad, so bad. that this man, this actor, almost committed suicide from the backlash of, of all the shit that he went through. Yeah. So to have him come back you know, and be a part of the Star Wars family and the Disney family and even do this, I was really, really happy to see. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't know about the show. Right. It sounds interesting. Yeah. I mean, this is their first attempt at a reality show. Right. You know, um, it's obviously due to the success of The Mandalorian. And, and Rise of the Skywalker coming out. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean the new popularity—not I mean not new popularity, but the resurgence of popularity for Star Wars being in the current time. That's yeah, what I think that's result of. It's also going to be a really good way to sell uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge theme park at yeah, Disney World exactly. and Disneyland, which didn't come out of the gate like they had hoped. Yeah. But with these kids competing at Jedi tasks, yeah. you know, and remember, you can go there in Disney World and Disneyland, build your own lightsaber and fly them. Millennium Falcon and really B, cool. you know, all this kind of stuff. I, I guarantee it ties into somehow to promote that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it should be interesting, yeah. <laughs> to say the very least. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, speaking of interesting, Fox has brought back, uh, brought on Wes Ball, the filmmaker behind the popular Maze Runner film series, uh, to develop and direct the new planets of the apes feature yeah this was a 21st century fox film so of course now it's under disney but i just don't think we need any more of these in my opinion just saying yeah well and and there's a lot of questions to this one because i mean obviously the original franchise way back in 1968 charleston heston and all that it 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 had its run yeah there were several movies they were successful then there were a couple not so successful the franchise kind of died and went away yeah. Um, they reinvented it with James Franco in 2011. It was massively successful. John Lithgow, you know, um, and Andy Serkis as Caesar. That was a trilogy, and that trilogy did really well. Yeah. So I can see where Disney thinks it would potentially be profitable, which, of course, you want to do. But then there's all these questions. Is it going to be theatrically released? Are they doing this as, for for Disney Plus? Is it right. going to be an original film for Disney Plus? Is it a whole new reboot? Is it a continuation from the trilogy yeah. story? Nobody knows. None of these questions have been answered. Nobody knows what this is going to be. Just that it's in development. Yeah. So my thing is, I just feel like everything's becoming a franchise now, and we don't need that. I mean, we already got the Jurassic World franchise, Marvel, DC. Planet of the Apes, freaking so much, so many others. Like, just stop. I mean, I feel like you're taking away the specialness of these franchises that are already here. So, I mean, yes, you guys had your little run, and they were successful in the reboot time, like with James Franco, I guess. But I just, uh, takes it away. It takes away the the specialness. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that. And I, I honestly, I think if it's going to be done... Don't do a reboot. Just continue the extension of of these of the last trilogy because I also hate when they continuously reboot franchises. Yeah. That never works. 
it never it never turns out well just if you've got a trilogy that worked well and you've got a series of characters and an interpretation of the characters that work stick with that i i don't know i I mean why do a film though like we just talked about if you have more stories to tell with these characters with these planet of the apes and you have an outlet like disney plus do a series exactly the mandalorian is kicking fucking ass i bet a planet of the apes series might do really fucking well why reboot the movie or do the movie I, i i don't know and see what happens, man. We'll see what happens. I mean, honestly, just the past couple years, I've not been a huge fan of James Franco because of all the douchebaggery. That well, thankfully, has... he was only in the first one, yeah. and then you know he was, you know, that character was Caesar moved on, but the, yeah. his character didn't. So thankfully for that. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I just I don't know. But there's so many apes. Yeah, much like they did with Mandalorian. There are others. St- exactly. All of these apes are intelligent now. Exactly. Not not just Caesar. So there's so many other stories and variations to tell i feel like a series is more fitting than another film with caesar yeah. I, just my opinion but agreed agreed well hopping over to abc studios maggie carey has signed a multi-year overall deal with abc studios she has previously helmed episodes of barry silicon valley unbreakable kimmy smith love single parents splitting up together last man on earth brooklyn 99 and ap bio uh, under the terms of the New Deal, Carrie will write, produce, and direct drama and comedy projects for the studio across all platforms, including broadcast, cable, and streaming. So that should be interesting. She seems to really know her stuff when it comes to the comedy family dynamic. So I feel like they're just bringing new people in to help with that. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, I, what I like, and I mean, reading that resume that you just uh, just read off. Um, I think this is where the studios now are going to try to cherry pick their creatives Yeah. because she had experience in broadcast, ABC, Fox, CBS, etc., streaming and cable. Mm-hmm. And since now all these mega studios – and by the way, congratulations, Viacom, CBS. You guys are now one. Right. Um, you know, they all have these platforms. Mm-hmm. And while, you know, cutting the cord is a thing, they still exist right now. Networks still exist right now. Cable still exists right now. So you're going to be picking creatives that are able to deliver projects for all of those platforms. And Carol Barbie that we had on recently discussed that yep. about how different programming for Netflix is as opposed to making a network show yep. and the scheduling. So to, so to bring on creatives that can deliver on all three of those yep. is going to be important. And I think that's why... This was a smart move by Disney. Um, and I would I would predict we're going to be making more announcements like that in industry news over the next few weeks. Agreed. Because I think as these streamers kick up, these are the people that are going to be getting jobs. So Yeah, see what happens, man. See what happens. Well, someone else who's trying to see what's happening out there in the industry. <laughs> and get a job. <laughs> yeah, can't get a job. Um, Mina Masound. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I apologize if it's wrong, but we all know I can't pronounce names. Um, <laughs> says he hasn't had a single audition since starring in the new adaptation live-action film of Aladdin, which really sucks because he was really great. Um, he famously beat out other around like 2,000 other actors to land this role. So... I, I don't understand. And, I mean, the actor said, I want people to know that it's not always 
uh, dandelions and roses when you're doing something like Aladdin. It's none of those things. I haven't had a single audition since Aladdin came out, which is super fucking crazy. Yeah, he said that, you know, he hears things all the time about, well, he must have made millions or mm-hmm. he's doing this or doing it. He's like, no. So, uh, and I guess it's not the first time. I like this here. He said that he's been very vocal in the past about struggling to avoid playing certain characters. He's of Middle Eastern descent. So, right. obviously, and we've we've talked about this with Roman Michian and like a bunch of There are certain things like we need you to play a terrorist or right. we need you to play the, you know, and he doesn't want to do that. He no. doesn't want to be typecast in, okay, I'm Middle Eastern, so why do I have to be the bad guy right. or a terrorist or whatever? So I like that that he's spoken out on that, but he's struggling. Yeah. I mean, uh, Will Smith came out and said he's a remarkable actor and yeah, that he doesn't that. have to worry that he's going to get something. Um, So he's got support, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It's just it, it it's crazy. Sucks. It kind of sucks. I mean, we always. I mean, the industry now preaches about diversity, diversity, diversity. But it's kind of been typecast as either white or black now. I mean, it's or true. male or female. I it's mean, true. Transgenders are there's not a leading role for them, and there's not a lot of leading roles for Latinx and Middle Eastern characters. There's so, not. I mean, there needs to be more of that. Yesterday was brilliant. Oh, absolutely. And, like, fucking. Uh, it's just ridiculous. We need to have more diversity. I know we're working towards it, but it's still not enough. Yeah, I, I, it needs to be more. And this poor guy, we, we should say you will be able to see him in a couple of things. Yeah. Um, he's going to be in Reprisal, Hulu's original series um, <clears throat> that actually starts today. And he's going to voice a role in the upcoming animated uh, movie, Lamia's Poem. Mm-hmm. But I saw another great quote from him that for about Reprisal. <clears throat> He actually auditioned for that before Aladdin, Aladdin you know, yeah. so if you're saying, oh, you said he didn't get it, it was before Aladdin, and and Aladdin had come out mm-hmm. when he got the phone call that he had got the role or whatever, but he, and he was in production on Aladdin yeah. while he was auditioning for this, and he said, that, he said, when I was in there auditioning for, they had no fucking clue who I even was. Wow. So, even after all the press that he had been beating out 2,000 right. people and that he got cast in Aladdin and he was going to get ready to shoot Aladdin and all this press that he had gotten, they didn't even know who he was when he walked in the room. <sighs> so... It sucks, man. It sucks. Thankfully, he got the role. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it, it's just – it's crazy. I agree with you. You know, it, it, the diversity, we've come a long way, but there's such a long way to go. Agreed. Um, hey, shit. We'll try to have you on the show, man. Yeah, I would love him to come onto the show and talk about that because exactly. it's hugely important topic right now, and it needs to be discussed. And, you know, it, it, we'd love to have him on the show. That's a great idea. Definitely. Definitely. Well, it's not all sunshine and rainbows for Disney. Um <laughs> Bill Nye, the science guy, yeah, we all know him. He is being allowed to take a limited claims against Walt Disney Company to trial. That's yep. right. He's suing yet again for the fourth time. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all apparently, from, from what I can gather, the same lawsuit, but yeah. this is the fourth attempt at it. He's amended this lawsuit like a gazillion times. Um, basically, what he wants is he, he wants $28 million in damages that he claims Disney shortchanged him on profits from his 1990s television vision show that ran on disney yeah um he's also seeking punitive damages um and says that disney has a long and consistent pattern of underreporting revenue and improperly applying deductions um newsflash bill nye for a really smart guy they all do that yeah exactly all the studios do that yeah amc is being sued right now for doing that they, they all do that yeah is it shady yes is it wrong Probably so. Is it legal? 
Likely, yes. Okay. I mean, there there are legal accounting stuff that's shady and wrong, yeah. but also legal. Yeah. Um, but so, I mean, all I can say is find yourself better representation. Have somebody make sure to read your exactly. fucking contract before you sign that shit over. Exactly. Because a lot of people just sign this shit without even reading it, and their representative says it's all good, when in reality, it's not, and you might deserve more. So... Find yourself the best representative, manager, agent, entertainment lawyer, all that good stuff so you can get paid what you deserve. Yeah, and this is – reading this also, it says Disney did manage to score other wins against the lawsuit, uh, including escaping the claim that it breached any fiduciary duties towards Nye. Mm. That very statement right there says to me that the courts are going to lean to the money situation was not – the way Bill Nye describes it to be. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll find out. The right now it's looking like they expect the trial to last about ten days, and it's estimated to begin in May of uh, 2020. Yeah. So we'll follow that. We'll we'll see what happens. But that I feel like Disney's either going to settle or Nye's going to lose. Yeah. I so mean, we'll we'll see. Just saying. Just saying. Well, now let's transition into the streaming side of things. Mm. Netflix, you know, they huh, a lot of stuff is being yanked right now with all the streaming services. We got Hulu, HBO Max is about to come out. I mean, watching Friends the other night, it, at the very top it says, will not be available January yeah. 1st. Yeah, which it's pisses a whole bunch so of people crazy. off. crazy. I know. It is crazy. And it's affecting Netflix. I know Ted and Reed were out there saying they're not worried and woo, congratulations. It's affecting them. Yeah. Um, they their, their content has dwindled by 40% over the past five years. Um, they, they used to have, well, they have now 3,849 titles um, as of, of November. That's down from 4,335 in 2016 and nearly 7,000 in 2014. Huh. And it's because... Companies like JLo just mentioned, Amazon, Hulu, Disney, have all been yanking their shit in anticipation of their own streaming services. Exactly. So there, there it is. I mean, they they are doing it, and even more is going to be leaving. Like JLo just mentioned, Friends, because you've got Peacock from NBC, HBO Max from Warner Media. They're going to be pulling all their shit too. Exactly. So, but we got to say, I mean, we talked about it time and time and again in 2018 and in 2019 that. So much of their money went towards original content, and they're really trying to make that push forward. They pay boatloads of money. Fucking 85% of their money in 2018 went towards original yeah, content. Yeah, so $13 billion overall, 85% of that. Like to, to, And here's the crazy – mostly to television. Yeah. You know, we hear about their original movies all the time, Irishman, and we'll talk about Irishman in a second. But it's more been on television because what they were losing the most – is their television series. So 85% of that went towards original content, and I'm betting out of that 85%, 60% or higher went to original TV shows as opposed to movies. And there's a little bit of proof to back that up. Um, Their TV side, it was 1,197 in 216. Now it's 1,784 currently. Mm -hmm. So they did boost up over the past couple of years in what television content they have. But most of that is original shows. So I don't know. It's definitely something I know they're not – they say, they say, they say they're not worried. But – How can you not be? Exactly. And now you got CBS Viacom coming with – or Viacom CBS – 
I'm going to say it backwards every time. I, every I don't time. know. think it's Viacom CBS, but whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, they're, they're still coming. Yeah. Because they've got CBS All Access and they're planning a streaming yeah, service. One, now, whether yeah. they're going to convert CBS All Access or what, we don't know. But they're planning on coming. And yeah. Sherry just said... You recently Redstone there for that the you know that owns or the majority Cheryl she said they plan on competing because they're confident in their content. I chuckled when I saw that because she feels her content library is more extensive than Disney's. Bullshit. Yeah, right. I know like, Star Trek. Right. That's it. Can anybody name any? Star Trek cannot compete with National Geographic, Marvel, Lucasfilms, and Pixar. Exactly. You got Star Trek. Get busy. I appreciate the confidence, but no, Sherry. Uh, anyway, though, they're going to be pulling stuff and creating. So Netflix, I just feel like better get busy. Yeah, seriously, seriously. I mean, they're really going towards the TV side of things, like you said, uh, less with the original movies. They're basically bankrolling for these movies that are already made. <laughs> They've yeah. been paying out boatloads of money for these movies that are already made and not bringing in creators themselves to make movies yeah and i feel like when they do bring in the creators to make their own movies specific it's for one reason and one reason only to try to win an oscar yeah like with the irishman yeah i mean they brought scorsese in to do this and agreed to do it with an insane budget i saw recently the other day that the budget was like 185 million dollars um that was for one reason and one reason only because they think that can win an Oscar. Yeah. So I, I don't know if, you know, we'll see. Yeah, and I mean, but, that one's getting a lot of buzz right now. It was just named the best film by the National Board of Review. And I mean, the pick was also honored uh, with best adap- adapted screenplay and for the writer, Stephen Zillian, uh, with director Martin Scorsese, of course, stars Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and uh, set to receive an Icon Award, which is uh, MBR introduced this year to honor the cinematic artists who have been contributing meaningful to the history, culture, and excellence of motion picture. Yeah, that's that's it. It's got a 96% freshness rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, So it is getting a lot of positive buzz. Yeah. Okay? It, it's it, it's There's no denying that. Um, You know, if you're a Scorsese fan and, and a De Niro fan, you're going to like the movie. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate the movie. No. J-Lo and I both watched it. It is three and a half hours long. Um, and for me, there are some times where it, it's slow-paced, and I think it could have been moved a little faster than it was. Um, but it is what it is. Um, I don't know. I liked it. I didn't th- – it's it's not Roma bad. No. It, I, I'm not going to hammer it like I did Roma. Does it have a shot at, at an Oscar for Best Picture? I think so. I think the actors might be nominated also. Um, I don't even think it's Scorsese's best film. So I, there, I said it. Should it win the Oscar? No. I think there's been better films this year. That's yeah. just my opinion. But I don't think it should win best picture. Yeah. Nominated maybe. But I, like I said, I think there were better movies this year. And I don't even think it's Scorsese's best film. Yeah. Well, I mean, in my personal opinion, like going back to what I said earlier, it should have been a limited series. Like I felt like you could have drawn that out for like – five six seven episodes make it more connected because i felt like at in some points in times when there was narration behind some of the scenes that 
just I felt like didn't have a lot to do with the current storyline. Like we get it. There's this kind of like respect love triangle between Joe Pesci's character, Al Pacino's character, and Robert De Niro's character, and whoever Robert De Niro's character is most loyal to at the certain point right. in time. But like it was just so long, and things just did not need to be in there. I felt like for it to make it an entertaining film, because at the end of the day, like. It, it was entertaining, I will say yes, but at the end of the day, I feel like no film should be over two and a half hours long, because even that is long as shit. So, there it is. It is what it is, and like you said, I don't think it was his best film, but I feel like the look, maybe it was his best film when it comes to the cinematography and director of photography, just because of the technology and the three lenses camera that went into the CGI, and especially that last scene with the Lincoln yeah. that was going through the um, the car the car wash, which was in the trailer, and I was fucking waiting for it the whole time because yeah, yeah. that shot was just absolutely beautiful. But like I said, there was just some stuff in there that I felt like didn't really have to be in the film to show that um, Robert De Niro's character was as loyal to Russell as he was um, what's-his-face there, Al Pacino's character. So, I mean, Jimmy Hoffa. So, yeah. I, just a lot of unnecessary stuff, I felt like. It did drag at some times. And another thing, going into our next topic of the discussion, the Anna Paquin, a supporting role, uh, she was freaking... She's an Oscar winner. And she had seven lines in the whole film. She plays um, Frank's daughter, who yeah. basically knows about his shit the whole time growing up. Like, and she had barely any lines in the whole film, which I felt like was crazy. Yes, you had to get a good actor to portray her emotions and her feelings on her face, but at the same time, like, I felt like you did not use a very valuable asset in the way that she deserves to be used. Yeah, and 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 she made a statement. De Niro made a statement. De Niro said, it is what it is. She had a powerful performance, whether she spoke a lot or not, and it came across that way, and he was happy with it. And then she came out and said, look, I read the script. I knew what it was. I auditioned for it. I wanted to be in the Scorsese film. And in no point ever did he tell me not to speak or say that this would be more than it was. Right. I knew what it was going into it, and she was okay with it. So, again, I just think this is one of those manufactured controversies that doesn't need to be a controversy. Yeah. If she was okay with it and she understood what she was going into and in no way – was promised something that didn't happen, then why the fuck is there the controversy? Yeah, I mean, it, is, it is a huge thing right now, but, I mean, there's no reason for a fan to be upset about it. It's just kind of confusing to a fan, I think, that it, she just did not have as much dialogue as some of the others. And, I mean, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I, I kind of liked it. Though. I mean, like, I, I agree with De Niro on this sense that sometimes it's more powerful. Like, if you go back and watch the movie, the looks that she gives him, you know, the silent acknowledgement of, I know you just did something bad right i know you're this evil monster person yeah. or you know and even the the young actress who played the younger version of the character the, the same baggy, thing yeah. with the look through the bedroom door about where he was going to work and you know and the different thing sometimes it's just more powerful not to say something yeah and i, I mean i agree with De Niro. i think that that's what it was in this film yeah and i mean 
In my personal opinion, I would have liked to hear her say that she liked Jimmy Hoffa way more than Russell. Because, I mean, obviously it was portrayed, and obviously she never really had the same feelings towards uh, Russell as she did Jimmy Hoffa. She always felt more comfortable with Jimmy. But, like, I don't know, maybe a blow-up scene at the end when he tries yeah. to um, get back into her life when she's a bank teller and he's trying to talk to her yeah. like when at the end of his life. So, I mean, you know, or especially when he's talking to her sister, like trying to get in contact with her right, or something right. like that. But, I mean, it was a good film. It was a good film. I mean... Definitely no rewatch value, in my opinion. I wouldn't. Mine either. It. I wouldn't sit there for another three and a half hours and watch it again. Yeah, because I mean, I started it around like eight thirty, and I mean, I had to pause it a couple times to do some shit, and it didn't end until like noon. See, so. and it was the same thing. I paused it a few times to do some stuff and came back to it as well, and that should tell you everything. If a movie's rocking and rolling, and you're intently into it, and you're loving every second of it. You don't pause it to get up and do stuff and yeah. then go back to it. Like, you know, and I just I, I think that says all you need to say. Well, and I mean, just it's so much time. There's only so much time in the day that you are actively awake doing shit. Right. So, I mean, that's taking so much time out of your day. So, I mean, it is what it is. There is a different I mean, it's a fine line, I guess, for appreciation of art and it just being too much. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. In my now, opinion. Now, I know, I, I mean, I'm just, apples and oranges somewhat, but but like you said, you know, as far as time for film, uh, an example would be Ford versus Ferrari for me. Yeah. Because it was almost three hours. It, it was well, you sat in the theater with trailers and everything, almost three hours. The movie was over two and a half hours long, but at no point did that movie ever feel like it was two hours and no. something long no. or two and a half hours long it, it was paced so beautifully at no point were you thinking man we've been here for a long time or man we've been here for a so those type things yeah. you know that's not a movie i would get up and go do something in between or something so yeah i don't know i don't know what that says about you know the irishman but you know there it is <laughs> i'd be very surprised if that movie does not get nominated for an award this uh, Oscar season, to be honest with you. Which one? Ford versus Ford. Oh, yeah, me too. I, I, it deserves My it. personal opinion, I think it should win Best Picture, but that's just me. Yeah. Uh, what my concern is is that I think that – and Netflix will be the benefactor of it. I think because of all this Yahoo controversy with Scorsese and theaters and not getting enough playtime in, in venues and blah, 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 blah. The Academy is gonna award this thing Best Picture out of out of some sort of a, like we're sorry Marty yeah. here you go yeah. and Netflix will be the best, biggest benefactor for that because they're dying to get that and, and maybe some films that should have probably won won't because they feel like they're indebted to Marty. I, I, just my opinion. I know, but I don't want to see the Irishman win Best Picture just because they feel like they owe Marty. Yeah, because he feels hurt by the yeah. the community. And I mean, there's I just, so many others that are coming out this year. You got 1917, which is supposed to be fucking brilliant oh as well, God. especially yeah. with the one shot the whole time. Yeah, so. and Just Mercy. Yeah, with Jamie Foxx and Michael. Oh I mean, God, just there's that looks so good too. Yeah, the end of the year is it Richard Jewell, like we talked about earlier. There's going to be so many good ones closing out the year that I feel like so many people are already wrapping it up for Irishman, and yeah. I hope. Not. No. I hope not. It's gonna but. be. It's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting. Well, you brought up apples earlier. Well, let's talk about apple. Um, <laughs> no oranges. So no oranges. No. You guys know we love Oprah Winfrey, and uh, she's she has a tight uh, relationship with the Apple TV streaming group over there. She does. Um, they nabbed an untitled documentary. Uh, 
presented by Oprah Winfrey and by Oscar-nominated filmmakers Kirby Dick and Amy Zierberg about <laughs> <laughs> alleged sexual misconduct in the music industry. This is a huge thing right now. It is huge. Yeah. I mean, we know this stuff goes on. I mean, uh, so many huge stories being thrown out there, you know, making, I mean, massive worldwide news yeah. with, with abuse like this in the music industry. Um, I, I mean, shit, this should be interesting. Because, I mean, let's be honest about it. Over the last two years, you got Surviving R. Kelly, Never Neverland, Bombshell, this one, and so many Richard Jules. I wrote so many sexual misconduct films because it's a hot topic right now which i mean yes to shed light but at the same time i'm kind of on the fence about it because like i don't know it's just for entertainment value sake it's kind of eh, it's icky in my opinion like i don't want to be entertained by someone else's pain yeah you know yeah no i i, I get that and and this is going to be a weird one because it former it, it fouls around the executives yeah. who are grappling with the with this as opposed to the victims of it. It's right. going to be, which I I like that idea of it because I feel like sometimes the the attention is so focused on the victim that we forget that there are other victims two involved. Parties. Yeah, yeah, there's and, more and than one party. So that'll be an interesting point of view of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. At least it's documentary. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's not like some made-for-TV movie trying to capitalize right. on it. At least right. it's a documentary about it. So, And it's Oprah. Yeah. So I, I mean, feel like exactly. it'll be good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know. We love Oprah, so it's going to be good. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, Apple is definitely loading up their documentary gang, or at least trying to. And they're, in the music industry. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, they're nearing a deal to acquire a yet-untitled Billie Eilish documentary directed by R.J. Coulter, Cutler, um, and produced by Interscope Films. I didn't even know they had a film division, yeah, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, the director has been given close access of all aspects of Grammy Award nominee life. Uh, because, I mean, she's only 17 from private moments with her family and behind-the-scenes looks at some of her most public appearances as she's gained worldwide attention, and she really has. Um, the project is expected to premiere on Apple TV Plus in 2020 and not on Apple Music, which is interesting because I know how sometimes they put documentaries on there. They did a P. Diddy documentary and right. put it on there, um, which may indicate attempt to... Uh, synergy between the company's distinct streaming offerings yeah which i mean then here comes the dilemma when you have a bunch of offerings and i i, I feel like you know disney was in the same boat but i feel like after reading Iger's book and he addresses this actual thing he's got a good grip to it but maybe apple's trying to figure it out when you have four or five different outlets to put your content on yeah. which one do you do exactly. it on do you put it on all of them do you not put it on all of them how do you choose that um i think that that's going to be an interesting dilemma for all of these new streamers because yep. they all Green. have multiple platforms mm -hmm. do we put it on our network channel do we put it on our cable channel do we put it on our streamer we don't know right and and so yeah this is interesting but i like the idea of this documentary though because like you said she is 17 yeah she's basically been she's this real kind of like introverted mm -hmm. kind of to herself person who's yeah. been exposed to this massive to world everyone, yeah. um 
It'll be really interesting to kind of see how she does that and how she deals with it. Um, so I always like the behind-the-scenes kind of stuff like that. Yeah. You know, that focuses on maybe – because we talk about it all the time, the pitfalls. And I think putting that stuff out there maybe will help other youngsters that are trying to get into the music industry maybe avoid some of the stuff she's had to go through. Agreed. You know, and, and different things like that. So Agreed. that'll be exciting. All right. This next one kind of deals with what we were just talking about with what the documentary is going to be talking about with following along with – some sort of misconduct, you know, or, or allegations in the music industry, but also in the film industry. Because as you just pointed out, JLo, it's kind of like all these industries that we hear about this all the time. I'm sure you guys saw this because it was everywhere. You had to be living under a rock if you didn't see it. The allegations that Justin Timberlake had cheated on Jessica Biel with his co-star Alicia Wainwright while he was in New Orleans uh, filming a film. Um, the videos out there. Uh, I mean, there's no denying it. When you watch this video, he is clearly drunk. Um, and, and when I say drunk, I mean like shit faced. Um, and, and you can make what you want from the video. I mean, he does appear to hold hands with her, you know, her hand is on his leg. Um, there's also another video that wasn't shown as much where you can see him pulling in another woman close to him, trying to have a conversation and pulling her really close to his face, um, that you didn't see so much of. So anyway, I think a lot of stuff was thrown out there and apparently you can't be Jessica Biel and his kids and anybody around and not be hurt by it. Um, JT to his credit, and this is why we wanted to talk about it. Justin Timberlake, he released a statement and, and I think it's important because, you know, in this day and age, a lot of people don't. They just immediately go on the defensive, deny it all, say it isn't true, it didn't happen, and, and you know, or don't even speak at all. Right. Well, JT had the guts enough to come forward and, and, and make a statement, and we wanted to share that with you guys um, on Instagram. He did this on Instagram, and he says, direct quote, I'm going to read it straight from it now. I stay away from gossip as much as I can, but my, for my family, I feel it's important to address the recent rumors that are hurting the people I love. A few weeks ago, I displayed a strong lapse in judgment. But let me be clear. Nothing happened between me and my co-star. I drank way too much that night, and I regret my behavior. I should have known better. This is not an example I want to set for my son. I apologize to my amazing wife and family for putting them through such an embarrassing situation, and I am focused on being the best husband and father that I can be. This was not that. I am incredibly proud to be working on Palmer, which is the film, guys. Looking forward to continuing to make this movie and excited for people to see it. So there you go. Owned it. Look, I got fucked up. I did some stupid shit, but nothing happened. I'm going to go. I'm just going to say this. I mean, I don't know. It wasn't there. Have no idea. I believe him. Yeah. Because he had the guts enough to come out and say, I was really fucked up. I did some stuff that was embarrassing for myself, for right. my family, for my kids. This is not the right thing to do. Um, I believe him. Yeah. And I do, you know, I, I, there are a lot of people out there that get touchy-feely when they're drunk or over-emotional when they're drunk. And, and you know, so I don't know. There's been past allegations. There's been all kinds of stuff. But in this particular thing, I believe him. Yeah. And uh, best wishes to him, man. Over a million and a half likes on the and 
35,000 comments, a lot of celebrity support, including friends of him and Jessica Biel. So I feel like they've got to work through that, but yeah. best wishes to them, and hopefully, you know, it all works out. And, you know, big fan of JT, so we'll see. Yeah. But we got to share all of it because we talk about all these things, and, you know, we talk, we lay our opinions out about the bad people. We're hoping this one is decent, too, you know? Yeah, see what happens. Heading over to NBC Universal. Everybody loves America's Got Talent, but everybody also loves Gabrielle Union, and this lady is not afraid to speak her mind. No. Uh, if anybody has seen, she got released from America's Got Talent. Released, uh, I like that. That's yeah. a very nice way to say it. <laughs> yeah, she got released from America's Got Talent because apparently she, her and Simon just did not get along. Yeah, and her claim is that Simon and none of the women ever on the show ever got along yeah. that he's um very belligerent and and talks down to the women on the show um and that he kind of orders them around and and it's according to her no secret that they only last a couple of seasons at most and then he replaces them with in her words younger prettier women mm. um we should say julianne huff also gone she was also released yeah. um so and apparently this might be true a lot of former people that have been on the show heidi klum and, and sharon osborne and a lot of the other female people are kind of backing up what Gabrielle said. Yeah. Um, so much so that Gabrielle got a meeting with NBC, apparently five hours long, and they did announce that they're going to be doing an internal investigation that will be centered around Simon Cowell. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know. I mean... He's a powerful guy, too, so it'll, it's really interesting to see if anything will come out because i mean he he's basically america's got talent he's the one that put it all together yeah right? he's like, the creator of the show it was a it was a british show he brought it over for the american audience he's the creator and showrunner behind it all um and like you said he's a very par- powerful guy so now it comes down to i'm just gonna say is nbc bold enough to do what Iger did and put the right thing over profit yeah because america's got talent is still huge in the ratings it's a very profitable cash cow for nbc universal right you get rid of simon cowell simon cowell owns the rights to it yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that that's some sort of a worked out deal where he would maintain control or rights to the show i mean do you cancel the show yeah. to do the right thing or you know so i guess that's what this investigation is going to find out as if you know or does NBC Universal pull, you know, the CBS thing and like not do the right thing? Right. Because Bull, and we've talked about this numerous times, is a huge cash cow for CBS and they yeah. would rather pay off Michael Weatherly's accuser than, you know, do the right thing and yank Bull off the air. Yeah. So what will NBC Universal do? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you I wholeheartedly. I, I think Gabrielle Union, good for her. You know, come out, speak your truth, exactly. and, and, and say what needs to be said. And regardless of what happens, at least you said what you said yeah. and, and put it out there because yeah i mean it's that's not the only controversy uh surrounding her or the wade family i, mean, I don't know if you saw um a lot of people were criticizing Dwayne wade's son her stepson for having i think acrylic nails and like a crop top on a Insta- family instagram picture like, right let the boy live his life it's that if that's the way they want to raise their child however they want to see fit then let that be the way it is i mean i don't understand why outside voices need to come into play yeah. so haters gonna hate i guess yeah but. and that's a very similar situation remember the the um 
uh, Will Smith's son, Jaden, mm-hmm. took a lot of heat when he was wearing a dress or yeah. doing something. That, that, you know, like you know, guys, these are, these are growing human beings mm-hmm. who are expressing themselves in whatever manner they want to express. Exactly. If they ain't out there shooting people, exactly. What, what does it matter? Who they if hurting? they want long nails or want to wear a dress, if they ain't picking up an Uzi and shooting fifteen exactly. people, then who cares? Exactly. Like I, I mean, just yeah, that's it's good. Uh, good, and I did. Uh, Dwayne came out in in defense of his son, you yeah. know, and and rightfully so. And uh, good for them, yeah. you know. They're not going to take that bullshit, and they're no. going to support their son. And good for them. Agreed. Agreed. Well, now uh, Sony getting some stuff done. Yeah, this one is exciting. I just put this one in there because I'm a huge fan of both L and Dakota Fanning. Mm-hmm. Um, they are finally going to star in a film together oh, shit. where they're not just playing. L for the longest time would play the younger version of Dakota yeah. in a lot of films. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh. But now this is going to be the actual first time they've ever been in front of the camera together, together. not playing a, the same character at yeah. a different age. So that's kind of exciting. Um, and it's... It, it's going to be a pretty intense one. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to play sisters in the film adaptation of Kristen Hanna's The Nightingale. Um, this is going to be for TriStar. Mm-hmm. And it follows two sisters coming of age in France on the eve of World War II mm. and tells the story of their struggle to survive the German occupation of France. Oh, wow. It's pretty intense. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, But these two girls are phenomenal actors. Yeah. Uh, these two young women. I don't even want to say girls because they're getting up there. Um, these young women women and have been doing it their whole lives yeah i mean honestly l won me over huge with super eight jj abrams mm-hmm. i just thought she was phenomenal in that and dakota obviously has been killing it for years so um i'm excited about this one yeah. and it'll be really fun for them to finally yeah. work opposite each yeah. other in a film yeah. so that'll be it cool. seems like that whole uh, boycott sony has gone away since the whole since Marvel drunk and... tom holland yeah, that's like did tom you see holland. that he admitted he to jimmy kimmel he was yeah, yeah and he was like drunk as shit wasn't even sure if he should answer the phone you know and his dad's like pick it up son <laughs> um i do love though when he was making the little joke it's like you know when bob says when's a good time it's like it's bob Iger. whenever, whenever. you don't give bob Iger a schedule exactly. you say whenever you want to call exactly. um that was so funny but um I also like that Tom Holland was that emotional over what Spider-Man had done for him. Yeah. That he did feel like, you know, he was going to cry and that he was heartbroken. He couldn't take pictures at D23 Mm -hmm. with the Marvel people. I mean, you know, say what you want about superhero movies, but, you know, that that Marvel family, family. it is. And and it means a lot and it changes people's lives. Exactly. And so it was nice to see that story. As comical as it was, it was also really nice to hear him say things like that. So Agreed. Agreed. Well, now it is time for our guest segment this week on Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. We got the one and only Tucky Williams coming on the show. Oh, man. There's a one main topic we really want to talk about, and that's her projects on Amazon Prime because there was a lot of backlash from a lot of bullying, hateful men that got her project taken, taken down because they just didn't like the way that her stuff was portrayed, which is hugely, hugely disrespectful and hugely wrong. And she comes on to talk about that because what it did for her, what it did for her career, her stuff is back on Amazon Prime now, yep, so yep. you can go watch that. Uh, but yeah, just 
the impact that it made on her and her career and what it did for her as an overall filmmaker. So it's going to be a fun conversation past that. <laughs> yeah, 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 but an important topic. I mean, yeah. this online bullying and, and the control that these people can can make or break you with, you know, the Rotten Tomatoes stuff that we were talking about, yep. how people could just get on there and kill a film yep. by this kind of shit. It, it's crazy. So I'm glad she was willing to talk about it and come on because it, it needs to be addressed. Definitely, definitely. Well... Here she is. Hello. Hi, this is Tucky. Hi, Tucky. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. I'm talking to myself, Logan, and Dustin today. Hey, how are you? Hi. Well, we're so happy to have you inside the Crazy Ant Farm today because we know you got so much to talk about. Well, I'm very excited to be here, so thank you for having me on. Of course, of course. Um, how we like to start this thing is we like to st- uh, introduce you to our listeners by telling you how, or telling them how you got started in the entertainment industry, like where... Where were you born? Where did you grow up? And just how did you get your start? Okay, uh, tell me to speed up at any point. No. <laughs> I was born in Kentucky, fourth generation Kentuckian. There you go. And I grew up and I became a meteorologist and I did that. And then I was in my first movie and then I kept making movies. And then I started directing and I got my own TV series and uh, that did really well. And then I made another TV series, and that did really well. And then I just made this movie, which was based on the first hit TV series. Okay, that was that was pretty quick. Yeah, <laughs> you, okay, no, I tried no, to make it quick. Yeah, no, you did great. So, so yeah. Uh, I mean, it's always – for us, we were really excited because, you know, we're indie as, as well. You know, we produce and we're creators as well. And you're the epitome of like an indie creator. You know, you, you know what it's about to wear all the different hats, write, produce, act. It, you know, it, it's so much involved in creating indie projects. So l- let's kind of jump into that. Where, where, was it something that you always knew you wanted to do? You mentioned that you started with meteorology and journalism and stuff. It, did you ever see – yourself going into the entertainment side of it with the acting and stuff was that always the goal or is it just how did that spark i always wanted to be an actress and a writer but i didn't think that was a possible a possibility without leaving kentucky and i also didn't think it was a good strategy because i definitely wanted to be a meteorologist and work my way up to a big market like L.A. or New York. That mm-hmm. was the goal. But I didn't want to be someone who went to L.A. and auditioned for a living, which is what everyone does if you decide, I'm going to act. Basically, you just go to L.A. and audition full-time. But then the movie thing took off in Kentucky, and I did really well, and I'm so glad I didn't leave and go to L.A. That's great, because I, we, I can't tell you how many times we've had guests on the show and, and, that tell you exactly that. It's 90% auditioning, 10% working. So I love the fact that, that, that you say that and decided to go the other route and create because in today's technology in today's time this is this is the right time to do it because it's so it, 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 all the technology available to create your own content and to get your own stuff out there it, it's the perfect time to do it that is absolutely correct and it's really great to be able to be in charge of what's happening as opposed to being along for the ride uh, yeah, ag- agreed <laughs> absolutely agree because you control it control is the key word there we just uh, we just interviewed a guest yesterday who talks about the process of and there there are so many variables that go into it that you have simply no control over. You could do the best work possible work that you can do and still not have it work out because of those variables that you can't control. And you can control that when you're the person in charge of the project. So Yeah, very true. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and in the day and time that you basically are controlling your own career, how does social media play a part in that? Does it help you like market your projects or how does that play a part? 
I would say what it does is for the people who are really, really into it and really loyal and true fans, it's a way for me to connect with them directly. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's say it's on Amazon. Maybe like 95% of people just watch it and they're like, oh, hey, that's a great movie. But then they, you know, they do something else. But like 5% of people are like, hey, I want to get to know this, this creator and I want to get to know the actresses in this movie and I want to learn more about it. Well, they're able to reach out to me through social media and and you know we're able to connect right away and they become i mean they become more than fans they become friends and mm-hmm. i love uh, that feeling of connectedness uh, that social media is able to give me to the people who really love my work that's outstanding and i and i, I want to talk about that a little bit because i want to i kind of want to know the process of how you went about and this is going to lead into the battle that you had with amazon and the kind of the stuff that went down with the movie because this is a really important topic that we want to talk about um because i know that you had mentioned that you also had to kind of go back and forth with imdb because of what it did to the ratings of the film on imdb as well um social media aspect how did it affect that at all because you're certified you know you've got the check market and did it affect that did you did you see when you were having the problems with amazon did it affect anything with your social media as far as the status went or no Uh, when the amazon stuff happened no they were they were only doing the attacks on amazon and imdb interesting okay Oh, that's good to know. That's good to know because, I mean, I'm sure yourself, I I mean, we see it every day. A lot of people bullied and attacked on social media. I mean, it can be used as an ugly platform as well as a, a positive platform. So it's good to hear that it didn't do that. Um, but let's jump into it. Let's talk about the Amazon struggle because I just thought this sure. was crazy. And I, we're seeing it a lot now with Rotten Tomatoes as well. It's just where this group of people can decide to pay, make a power play, you know, and, and, a, and a negatively attack a project that they don't like. And in this instance, like you said, get your film taken off of Amazon. So so let's talk about that. You First of all, you get it accepted by Amazon, which is awesome. Congratulations on that. I think it's a great platform for creators to be able to get their stuff out there and it's 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 running it's it's one of the most watched films on there it's got a nice little run going it, 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 you know it's it's yeah. won an award and then all of a sudden th- here comes this 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 spewed hatred towards it what i mean and so much so that eventually you know it got taken off of amazon let so let's walk through the process how did that affect you what what kind of a a, a fight back did you have to go through to get it back on uh, Amazon and, and let's just because I, I really think this is an important story and we want to hear from you how it all went down and how you were able to rebound from it okay well first off this isn't people who didn't like the movie this is an organized hate group it, there you go the movie. so we're talking about incels and MRAs and which I believe are hate groups and they organized to, to have the movie taken down so they just posted nothing but really nasty reviews um, hate reviews against women uh, against homophobic, uh, even some racist and anti-Semitic stuff, and it was very clear that it was people who were not well, and people who had not watched the movie, and it was just, it was just this, these insane reviews that made no sense, uh, they would say that they'd watched 15 minutes of the movie, and leave this seven paragraph review about how terrible it was, and they, they really didn't seem to, there was, it was really just total hatred mm-hmm. of women being directed at this film because it wasn't pornographic. It re- <laughs> so it's, it's just a regular movie. It's just like about girls and, you know, it's, it's, it's just like any other uh, kind of romantic comedy or romance, romance drama thing. I mean, there are a couple of like love scenes where people kiss a little bit and fall back onto the bed, but that's it. There's no sex in it. 
And so they were really, really mad, and that's what set them off. And the sad thing is, is a lot of men, especially these incel types, I mean, it's part of the culture is they feel entitled to women's sexuality. So here, here were women, here was this movie that was supposed to be lesbians having sex, and they weren't performing sexually for the men, so they were really personally offended by it and decided to organize a hate campaign against the film. Yeah, and, and you know, that's that's a great – because it, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because there was even a couple of directed targets that said, why isn't it on Pornhub? You know, why don't you bring it to the porn side of it? And Which is a ridiculous argument. I love the fact that you that you just said, look, this is just a film. It's a story about people in love. And, and you know, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a storyteller. And uh, they're overlooking all of that and just saying this is supposed to be some girl-on-girl action. Yeah. Why, why is this not happening? That, that has got to be the most insane argument and reason to to pose the hatred towards towards a film I've ever heard in my life. That, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. It is. Yeah, I, well, I, I'm glad though that that you spoke up and that you fought. Let's talk a little bit about that and how did you get? Because you got like the most and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but like the most bullshit reason about oh well, it's because of a you know it's a there's a an algorithm I guess if you will about if it has so many negative you know comments or, or reviews as opposed to positives then it, then we yank it off or it just sounded like a standard corporate answer. Well, yeah, okay, the answer didn't make sense. Basically. It, it, okay, it's a it's a good movie. It, it's a movie that if you didn't like it, you would just be like, I don't like it. Right. But it's a good movie. You still like it no matter what. Um, it's kind of it's set in the eighties and it looks like uh, it's at retro wave. If you know what that is, absolutely. So it looks like it's supposed to look like it's cool. Good. You're like the only other person I've met who knows that. <laughs> well, I was around in the eighties, so. <laughs> There you go. And Betamax. And, like, the the tape kind of, uh, you know, how VHS tape bends and stuff. Absolutely. It kind of does that in the middle of the movie and stuff, and there are glitches in it. And a lot of people don't know what VHS is. I, I learned. I, I can't believe it. But they don't know that that's what VHS tape used to look like. And so they go, this movie looks really poorly made. And they were leaving really nasty reviews saying the movie looks poorly made. And it's like, okay, those are just idiots, whatever. Uh, but <laughs> the hate reviews are something different. And um, so overall, it was getting really great reviews, except for the people who were like, this looks bad. Because, and why, you know, they didn't understand that it was set in the 80s, even though it was really obvious. Um, and so, uh, oh, wow, what happened is Amazon, the hate reviews started like, in, like all of a sudden one day, they just started coming like crazy, this influx of hatred. Right. And this, yeah, one day it just started, it went crazy. And then a bit later, Amazon sent me a message that said they were taking it down to, and I quote this, poor customer feedback. Mm. And the thing is, even though they were one star bombing it, it still couldn't counteract all the people who had left good reviews. So even though like there were these men with everything they had giving it, because you don't have to watch the movie to leave a review. They were just giving on there and giving it one star. Even with that, it still had two and a half stars, which Damn. is way more than most movies on Amazon have. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they were saying it was poor customer feedback, it's like, well, actually the customer feedback was pretty, you know, even with this one star bombing at the average, it seemed like they were responding to the hate comments. And so I said, you know, hey, you're responding to actual hate comments. And uh, so I wrote to them and I let them go through their process and they never, they never got back to me. They kept say, they kept asking me arbitrary questions that made no sense. You know, mm. it'd be a few days and they'd be like, well, this isn't the email we have on file. What's, do you have another email? And I'd be like, well, why don't you just use the email that's on file? But yeah, okay. It, it was just odd sort of questions that yeah. kept, kept me going and going and... 
And then so finally I contacted a journalist at After Ellen, the Marie Joelle, and she she did her own investigation into it. That took another two weeks because she wanted to go about it the right way and she did a two week investigation and they, they did nothing, they didn't respond to her. So she published this article. After Ellen is the biggest website for lesbians online. And uh, it, it went up on After Ellen and then that's uh, and then that's when it all started. So then I was able to tweet about it publicly and put it on Facebook. And I just got this amazing response from people. Everybody emailed Amazon and said that they didn't think this was right and they wanted the movie back on. And a whole, everybody, all the fans, and then people who didn't even know me were emailing saying this is not right. And, you know, got some celebrity retweets, and that really pushed it. And so two weeks after that article came out, all of a sudden the movie reappeared on Amazon. No explanation. It just came back up. That's that's fantastic. I mean, honestly, that's that's a great story to hear. And it does not make you feel good, though, the, the, the power of positivity. I mean, I, I say this all the time, and, I mean, it entails to so many different things. You know, not just the, the struggle that you had to go through, but just a lot of struggles in general. We have so much more in common common than we have with disagreements and if people would just sit down and listen and talk to each other they would realize that it's that way we are more in common with each other than we are apart and to see it hear a story like that to like you said people that didn't even know you but People are inherently good, I think. You know, you we have these these bad clusters and these dumbasses out there, but that people are inherently good and if they if they hear or they see a misjustice, they get behind it and they and they want to show the people that that it's good. I think it's great that they that they jumped onto the cause and, and that they surrounded and came out for you like that because we need more of that, honestly. Oh, absolutely. I'm so happy that the outpouring of love I was shown. Uh, I'm really I'm really grateful like you said for the goodness of people. Absolutely, but you know how we get more of that by having more people like you who aren't scared to step up and 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 bring attention to it. Because I mean, let, let's Thank you so let's much. yeah, no, honestly, let's be I mean, the the movie could have come you. off of there and you could have just said, "Well, okay, the movie's not on there anymore," taken that as a loss and walked away, but you were brave enough to stand up and say, "This is not okay." And the reason that they're doing this is not okay, and I'm going to fight to make sure that I can people this doesn't happen again. And that's what we need. More people like yourself to be able to have the courage to step up for what they believe in and, and get stuff done. So, yeah, much many much respect to you. Many kudos to you. We need more people like you. I I really appreciate you saying that because I think you're the first person who's acknowledged that. I mean, I haven't ever talked about this, but I went through hell. I I was just hell because I mean to to have been discriminated against your entire life, to then go into this and to try to promote these movies and have these movies be discriminated against, and then to finally find Amazon and have it find an audience on Amazon, to then have these a hate group actually convince Amazon to take it down, mm-hmm. and then they take it, I mean, it, the emotional toll it took on me was tremendous. And to have to keep fighting through that, it, I, <laughs> I would have been much happier and healthier if I had just let it go, And um, but I didn't. I fought, and that was... Oh, that was hard. So thank, thank you very much for thank you for saying that. It means a lot to me. 
No, you're very welcome, and thank you for for coming on our podcast and spreading that word. You know, we've been very blessed to have people like yourself on here. Um, we've had guests talk about you know the the mental illness and and awareness for that. We had a fantastic interview with Sean Colin Young about the the struggle with transgenders, and, and and there's so many issues out there that need attention brought to it. And we've been, like I said, really blessed to have people like yourself and other guests on the show that aren't scared to come on and talk and 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 get the message out. Out there and bring it and put the word out there and and uh, so thank you for coming on and doing that i think our listeners are really going to enjoy the interview and, and and enjoy hearing from you um it, it's important and we're, we're just we couldn't be more happy to support your cause and support the issues and get the word out there thank you so much so let's talk about fun now. <laughs> let, let, let's get into the fact that you're a, a kick-ass filmmaker. You're a creator. What, what else do you have going on? You write, you direct, you produce, you act. What else can we uh, do? You have coming up. What do you got working on right now? Oh, I just I just acted in a friend's movie. Um, so that was nice to be able to just act and not have to uh, you know do anything else. That's Clown Nightmare. I have a little tiny part in it. That just came out. And then I have another movie, Dagger Kiss, uh, coming out really soon, and it's like a medieval fantasy film, kind of, kind of like a YA young adult kind of movie, kind of, kind of for grown-ups, kind of, kind of for uh, teenagers in between. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. That's going to come out really soon. Okay, that sounds awesome. And did I read right that that that's also like the first of this type genre to have uh, 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 two female love interests, right? Yes, that's great. Yeah, so that was the first one, and then this is the follow up to that. We made another one because it did really well, so we made it. We did another. Well, if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? I mean, if they're doing well, exactly. do them <laughs> and write what you know and 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 and, and go for it. And I, I just love that. It's great that it's been successful for you. Yeah, it was. Well, it wasn't a write what you know. I had to sort of immerse myself in medievalism, and um, <laughs> it's very easy, I think, to write a fantasy film just based on TVs and movies you watched. But if I see a lot of that, but to actually sort of immerse yourself in the history and get an understanding of it, and then from there to begin writing, I think is very important. Uh, it goes back to the thing of knowing your craft, whether as an actress or as a writer. Get back to what it is you're writing about. And just just learn everything you can about it and then go into the performance or the writing. Yeah, that, that, that makes complete sense, totally. Do you have one that you prefer, directing or writing or acting? I mean, do you like behind the camera or in front of the camera better? Oh, I like in front of the camera better because it's so much easier. <laughs> and, um, uh, but, uh, like, uh, I, I, I guess it's just easier for me to be in charge of everything because then I don't have to worry about anyone messing up. But uh, acting is a lot easier. It's a lot more fun when you can focus on just that one thing. I think I think ideally for any project, I mean, you know, I'm doing at least five things at once. It would be more fun to just, just do one. Like, even if it's just directing uh, or just producing, I would be happy. Uh, <laughs> so, but doing both and being on camera, that's, that's a little hard to do sometimes. Can only imagine. Yeah. yeah. You've got to be in, in, like, a really just crazy place in the mindset to be able to direct yourself and, and be in that whole frame of mind. Yeah, that's, that's tough. I, I just don't even know how those people do that. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I go back and I, I kind of, I'm just kind of, I, I, I don't know how I did it. <laughs> um, I can't believe I survived it. But I have people around me who I trusted and who weren't letting bad things happen. So you know, it was like if my face was shining, I had someone who'd be like, "Your face is shining." You know, <laughs> as most crews, most crews would, you know wouldn't have that so I had people who were I was like you know 
if I don't look right, tell me. If my performance isn't, you know, if there's something I need to know, tell me. Like, don't be afraid to tell me. So everybody knew that they could tell me if something was off. Absolutely. That Well, that's good to hear, too, because I think one of the most crucial tools for success is surrounding yourself with a team that, that, that can make it happen for you. You know, you got to have positivity and positive people around you. And part of that means yeah. people around you that aren't scared to tell you when they're when they think you're wrong. Uh, well, I'm going to... I'm gonna disagree. I think when you're a woman making movies, people love to tell you how to do things. But what I am surrounded with is people who support my decision making, and they trust me. And I go, okay, we're with you on this. Uh, well, I think what I meant when I said that is, it's like if you see like uh, you know someone's hair is doing something weird, tell me. If you see that like I have my back turned and the actress is facing the camera and she's not giving a good performance, tell me. You know, just just tell me about the things that I can't see. Right. That's what I meant when I said that. It's, well, it's you know what though. You know what, though? I'm not going to call that a disagreement. I'm going to – I like that answer because it just goes to highlight again the differences between the struggle of a female director as opposed to a male director because, see, that that's something that I think maybe the general audience or the general people listening to the show wouldn't pick up on. That if – you know, the, the differences between how people view – a woman director and a male director, and I, I think it's great that you answered the way that you did there because I, I love the fact that that you said no, no, this is what I meant. I want people that they trust me and that I'm doing my decisions and I'm doing this as opposed to that was a great answer. So I, I'm going to take that. I don't, I don't think that was a disagreement yeah. at all. I think it was a great answer. I think I think men can thank you. I think men can come in and say, oh, I want to hear your opinions and your disagreements and stuff. But as a woman, I can't do that because people take advantage of that. So I have to come in and, you know, I have to have people who just trust me completely and know that I'm, you know, I'm, they've seen my work before. They know I'm probably going to make the right decision and I'm probably going to do it again. So I need people who are 100% supportive. Fantastic. I mean, this has been a very enlightening interview. It has. I mean, like, really has. I, I, and again, I just I think it's going to be so valuable to the people. We have a lot of people that are trying to get into the industry, and to hear somebody speak so honestly and so raw about what is and isn't, and how you have to go through the struggles or ways to go around the struggles, create your own content. That's what I did. You know, to hear things like that's inspiring for people who are trying to think. Because I mean, how many people are sitting around the country right now in a small town in a state that has nothing to do with entertainment? Going, I can never do it right and but yeah you can and and you're an example of that yeah i'm doing it in kentucky exactly, exactly. Think there would be a film industry here <laughs> much yeah. less uh, a, a gay and lesbian uh <laughs> producing mecca right here in the middle of kentucky right well, there you go <laughs> dropping knowledge right. left and right that's so funny so listen like what we like to do though to, to kind of wrap things up and everything uh and, and I think you're going to do really good at this. I could just tell already. We like, to, we like to have our guests pass along some advice for those people who are trying to get into the industry, you know, some, some solid advice to give to them. And also, and maybe more importantly, some pitfalls or some things to look out for to try to avoid when you're trying to get in this industry and do what you're trying to do. Okay, well, I think you already said it, which is that you have to make your own content. You can uh, start making your own movies, and you can, if you're not ready to do that, um, you can find a friend who wants to make movies and start working with that person. And if you can't do that, you can get involved and start meeting people and just slowly build up from there. I didn't just one day say, oh, I'm gonna direct a TV series, it's gonna be a big hit. No, I started out acting in movies and meeting people and you meet enough people, maybe on every project you meet two good people. Well, if you do enough projects, that builds up. You have tons of people to work with 
and who are more than happy to help you out. You find good people. You find people who really have kind hearts and are not going to bring any negativity into the project. But you have to do it for yourself, and you have to do it for yourself every single step of the way. That's great. It's really solid advice. It's it's genuinely real advice. So I just said, listen, this whole interview has been fantastic. It's been a lot of fun. I mean, even when we were talking about the the, the, the you know the touchy subjects and and the and the you know hard driven emotional stuff, you, you make it entertaining and fun. And I think that's why you've been successful. You just seem to have a very genuinely upbeat, positive attitude. And while you've gone through some struggles and had to find your way through them, you've been able to keep that. And this interview, I think, shows that. And I just I, I think it's great. I, I I really think it's great. Like I said earlier, we need more people like you. We need more positive attitudes like you and it's just been an absolute pleasure talking to you today oh i've had a blast thank you for having me on oh i've loved it oh fantastic well listen open invite anytime you want to come back even if you don't have anything to you know promote just come on and shoot the shit with us man you were a blast we'd have a blast hell we'll have you come in on a top five segment or something and give some opinions i mean that'd be great oh god i've got more opinions than you can (laughs) (laughs) i had a feeling (laughs) that's fantastic that's just so good listen have a spectacular rest of the day and thank you you so much for for talking to us and coming on and real quick tell everybody where they can find you on social media because we want to make sure everybody follows you okay everything is black tucky williams you can do a google search on me that's the best way to find anything tucky williams if you want to watch my series girl girl scene do a google search on girl girl scene i mean i have tuckywilliams.com i have girl girl scene.com the best way is a google search i'll show you everything awesome and we will make sure we direct people mm-hmm. to do that and best of luck to you in the future and like i said we could not be more happy to have had you on the show today it's been a pleasure oh guys i had a blast what a great way to oh this has just been awesome thank you guys so much for having me on you bet now take care okay all right have a good one you too bye-bye oh buddy man <laughs> wow yeah <laughs> wow. i don't think i've ever i don't i don't know if we've ever had a guest on that was like that upbeat yeah while dropping so much like uh, yeah. down low stuff i yeah. was just like wow that yeah. was like where's the yeah, yeah <laughs> was just there was a couple no of times. I mean, where we were looking at each other, like I don't, I don't know what to say yeah, right here. That that was incredible. But yeah. oh my goodness, that that was entertaining and fun. <laughs> right, right. A lot of people are going to enjoy this one, especially because of she's doing it in Kentucky. You can in do it K- anywhere. Exactly. We started in Biloxi, guys. Exactly. I mean, for anybody who doesn't know that, yeah, L.A. and all the kind, but Biloxi. Mm-hmm. I mean, so there you go, Kentucky, Biloxi. You know, I mean, there's been people that are in Utah, exactly. just like where it doesn't matter guys exactly. the one thing i really enjoyed about tucky coming on the show and talking to us is, is if you have a dream and you have desire and you have commitment you can do it anywhere anytime it can it can happen so Agreed. and that's what we're all about right exactly exactly thank you again tucky williams for coming on the show all right now it is time for the top five segment and since we are in the first week of december we thought it was only right to be the top five christmas songs oh there's so many classics <laughs> we got frank sinatra you got new stuff mm. coming out with like uh Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton, I mean, they're rocking and rolling. Their relationship is adorable, and it's transferring over into the music side of things. So yeah, it's yep. rock. Taylor it's Swift just released a new one. Yeah. Video dropped today, yeah. so you know. Exactly, exactly. Check that one out. Everybody does Christmas. Of course, of course. Um, some are, I mean, the majority of my <laughs> top five songs uh, were featured in the Home Alone movies. <laughs> so um, bear with me. Uh, number 
J-Lo's favorite movie, J-Lo's favorite Christmas movie, yes. J-Lo's favorite everything. Everything. That's okay. I've already watched Disney Plus's uh, Home Alone 1 and 2 because those are the only ones that matter. Yeah, you're going to boycott the new one, right? Uh, oh, so, yeah, for sure. I haven't watched No, you don't feel even suck. a little bit better about it after how good Lady and the Tramp was? Uh, I mean, like I said, if they get what's-his-face, um, Trembly there. Yeah. If they get Trembly, that's the only way I will – even watch it because i don't know it's not stay tuned yeah i mean macaulay culkin is home alone yeah i'm just saying uh number five i got run run rudolph that one's one of my favorites to play in the car um it's the most wonderful time of the year and silent night those two those hit home because i really like the the slower the slower ones i mean especially when you're with your family just gathering around the tree and like really appreciating life for what it is um rocking around the christmas tree one of my favorites in home alone and jingle bell rock that is also one of my favorites yes jingle bell rock yeah. I, probably the most used christmas song in movies oh I yeah would think. for sure you know uh i mean that what die hard that one's in die hard yeah. that one's like you know which is a christmas which movie is a christmas movie or you know yeah and lethal weapon and yeah. i mean there's so many that that one's in wow exactly all right. Uh, mine are number five, Do You Hear What I Hear? Mm. Uh, again, like you, I just really love that slow, kind of like meaningful mm -hmm. Christmas song. I love Carrie Underwood's version, by the way. That's the one I picked. Yeah. White Christmas, because who doesn't like White Christmas? Of I mean, course. fuck, Bing Crosby, man. Come on. Um, All I Want for Christmas, uh, Mariah Carey. Mm hmm. It's like I feel like now the epitome of Christmas songs. Yeah, it's right. Like, you like, know, seriously, everybody knows it. Always it. Everybody, jumps back into the Billboard yeah. chart. Yeah, like. she's breaking Guinness records every Christmas. Yeah, because she breaks her own record every Christmas. Exactly, it's crazy. Basically, um, Elvis. Santa bring my baby back to me. Mm -hmm. I, I just love the song. Yeah. I just love the sentiment. It's like he doesn't care about gifts. Doesn't care about anything. He just wants his his woman to be there with him. Exactly. I, I just I really love the sentiment. And my all time favorite. Little Drummer Boy. Mm. Doesn't matter what version, whether it's just acoustic, whether there's lyrics, whether there's just my all-time favorite, Little Drummer Boy. Yeah. And my favorite version, oddly enough, the Bing Crosby, David Bowie version. Nice. Good list. Which wasn't even supposed to happen. Really? Yeah. No Bing Crosby said, there's no way I'm singing with this guy. <laughs> and David Bowie said, there's no way I'm singing with this guy. Bing Crosby, I'm a rock and roll kind yeah. of guy. But they got together – and they talked it out, and David Bowie and Bing Crosby worked out an arrangement of the song that now you know. Yeah. Uh, you've heard it. It, it. it just – they both agreed to, I can do this That's one. That's great. I can – and I mean it's like – I don't know. It's it's like the most unusual version I've ever heard, but it totally works. Hell yeah. So – and David Bowie even wore a Christmas sweater. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so, cool. so there you go. Anyway. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, now it's time to transition into the box office recap. Um, Frozen. Frozen has just been dominating everywhere, so that's all we need to talk about. <laughs> yeah, Frozen. We should say both Knives Out and um, Knives Out was a uh, uh, and um, Queen, Queen and Slim. Slim both outperformed what what people thought. Yeah. Both did really well, and both are continuing to do really well. But they're really well. 
shines in comparison to, you know, or dwarfs in comparison exactly. to Frozen 2, which is just absolutely slaying it. Exactly, so. exactly. Well, the only new movies coming out this week are Playmobile the movie. No idea what it's about. It looks like a family animated film, so... It looks like a it? cheap Lego knockoff yeah, to me. I just being for real. Yeah, I don't have any desire to see this movie. I'm at just all. saying, just saying. Um, movies that are still out that you can go see at your local theater. Joker still out and about. Go continue to support the best grossing DC movie of all time. Um, Last Christmas, Planet did we, <laughs> we didn't have that on the list. Yeah. Last Christmas by George Michael didn't make the list. No, eh? Not your list, not my list. I but know. he's got a whole movie about it, but it didn't make our list. It's, it's, fine. it's fine. It's fine. It is a catchy tune. Uh, it is, though. Um, we got Playing With Fire, Midway, Ford versus Ferrari, Frozen 2, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, 21 Bridges, Knives Out, Queen and Slim, and Dark Waters. Mm. Yes, that's right, guys. The Hulk takes on... The government. <laughs> That's what's happening. Basically, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, don't make him angry. Yeah, no. You wouldn't like him very much yeah, when he's angry. Exactly. They could have totally used that line in that film as a. Uh, that would have been brilliant. Oh my god, that would have so been brilliant. Funny, so but, funny. But um, number one, I think it's still going to be Frozen with around thirty-five to forty million. Number two, I think it's going to be Knives Out with around ten to fifteen. Number three, I think it's going to be Ford versus Ferrari with around five to ten. Number four, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood with around 5 to 10. And number five, Queen and Slim with around 5 to 10. Yeah. The last three are going to – it's going to be close, but we're going to see what happens. But a lot of positive feedback from uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Uh, I know a lot of people weren't expecting it to be less about Mr. Rogers um, – but, I mean, it was good. It was a good film. Yeah, I enjoyed the film. I think a lot of people take me wrong when I say, you know, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be or what. I just – I liked the film. It's a really good film. Yeah. I just don't want people to be confused about what the film is. I know for a fact that when when I went and saw it, there were a lot of – families where I feel like these people brought their kids thinking this is going to be about Mr. Rogers and it's not a family film. This no. is not a kid film. No. So, um, I, I feel like, and I, but, but you know, to nobody's fault in, in the film, yeah. I blame that on marketing because yeah. they totally Agreed. marketed this film as a kid's film about Mr. Rogers mm -hmm. and it was not that. Yeah. So I blame the marketing on that, which is also why I think it's underperforming at the box yeah. office. So because I mean the main character isn't Tom Hanks. No, it's it's not. And exactly. and I and I haven't seen that guy anywhere. To be honest with you, on a press run, it's all Tom Hanks. It is. It's all about Tom Hanks, which is crazy because he's brilliant on the Americans. Like yeah. like like I mean he deserves all the accolades that. Tom is also getting, yeah. but you're right, you know, I, you don't gets, see it. I mean, he, I don't think he's going to get nominated for Best Actor because he's not the main character. Right. Maybe Best Supporting, but not Best see, Actor. See, and I really think, because everybody's talking about Tom Hanks, Best Actor, Best Actor, Best that should be the supporting. Yeah, exactly. If he gets nominated, I'm sorry, but it should be for Supporting wrong, Actor. yeah. Because he's not the lead. I, I mean, but you know, right? Mm -hmm. Ford versus Ferrari. I highly recommend going to see Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, we loved it, right? Yep, so um, good. And we agree with our buddy Riley B. Smith, who's a huge podcast guy, who's a huge movie guy. This guy's smart as a whip for for a young man. Um, Motherless Brooklyn. Yeah. Go, guys, if you too. can find it somewhere, go see it. It's one of those smaller films that isn't getting the limelight on all the screens, but it's a brilliant film by Edward Norton. Good message. Go see it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. 
Now it's time to transition into the IMDb Pro Top Trenders. Oh man, we love this app. We use it every single day to look at the trades. I mean, just recently we saw that there's going to be a Hollywood roundtable discussion mm. with the executives and some freaking phenomenal actors like Tom Hanks, Jamie Foxx, Adam Driver, so many, uh, Shia LaBeouf, like that one, I can't wait till that one comes out. Yeah, it's going to be brilliant. Yeah, we appreciate IMDb Pro for putting out all of this great valuable information that we use every single week to build up our show inside the crazy ant farm um top trending movie this week by no surprise because it's the talk of the town uh the irishman everybody's talking about it. every time i get on facebook twitter instagram somebody has something to say about this movie and it is getting well received i will say that um but like we already gave our spew about earlier in the industry news um could have been done better, in our opinion. opinion. <laughs> Could have been. Could have been. Um, top TV show, by no surprise, especially with now merchandise being sold, uh, is The Mandalorian, and merchandise is now being sold for Baby Yoda. Everybody, go get your Baby Yoda gear. I know I'm about to get a shirt from Geeks Vibe Nation. Shout yes. out to them. I am a winner of one of those shirts, and I'm just here sipping some tea, watching y'all fight. It was a great <laughs> shirt. I can't wait to get that and start rocking it. Um, and by no surprise, the top trending star is still Pedro Pascal, which I almost thought we were going to see his face in the last episode of The Mandalorian when he took off his helmet. I was like, oh shit, no, oh shit. No, no. Yeah, I wonder no. if that's ever going to happen, to be honest I, with yeah, you. I, I, maybe at the end of the season. Maybe. Yeah. I hope not, personally, yeah. because through his own admission, he said once it comes off and somebody sees his face, he can never put it back on. Yeah. And I just love the helmet too fucking much to have yeah. him never put it back on. Yeah. And if he does put it back on, is that is that it? He's out of right. the Mandalorians? Yeah. He's just like a renegade rogue guy exactly. now? I mean, I don't know. So I hope not. Yeah. Plus, I just think Pedro is brilliant at this performance yeah. with never seeing his Agreed. face. I mean, I would like this guy to keep going with it with this performance. So much emotion with someone, yeah, you don't even see their face. Man, but. and guys, IMDb Pro, like you said, you know, I love this segment every week. Guys, this is a huge app that that like most accurately tracks these people. Um they released their their overall for the whole year mm-hmm. lists uh just recently too. And and yeah, the top 10 stars uh Brie Larson, um, so yeah, Brie Larson, uh, the the chick from um the boys, uh, Moriarty there, mm-hmm. um, you know who I'm talking about, Aaron Moriarty, uh, and then Amelia Clark, Naomi Scott, Dakri Montgomery from Stranger Things, Zachary Levi, Keanu Reeves, Rosa Zalazar, Margot Robbie, and Joaquin Phoenix, the ten most the highest ranked people Makes for sense. the entire year, ten. Then they did breakout stars. Which also included Moriarty, Aaron Moriarty. She was on both. Um, and Dakri Montgomery. Levi Zalazar, Elizabeth Lale, Margaret Qualley, who once upon a time. Yeah. Um, Isabel Merced, Emma McKay, Maya Hawk, and Lucy Boynton. So mm-hmm. there you go. The biggies for the entire year. Yeah. Um, I love the app. Dude. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's just – it's a brilliant app. You should get it if you don't have it. Agreed. Agreed for the low price of nineteen ninety nine every month. Which is totally worth it. Exactly. Totally worth it. Exactly. Have the ability to contact basically – 
basically anybody you want to. <laughs> I mean, uh, you could contact Beyonce's publicist. That's right. Uh, speaking of Beyonce, let's transition into Billboard chart toppers. Yeah, musicians. Woot woot. Um, vinyl album sales goes to Billie Eilish, who, I mean, this album's been out for almost a year, so she's rocking and rolling with this thing. Um, you know, that song, uh, Bad Guys, the song for bombshell that want for that film that's about to come out mm-hmm. that looks so mm-hmm. freaking good it gets me pumped up every time i see it um when we all fall asleep where do we go by billy eilish for the top vinyl album sales uh top album sales in general goes to nine by jason aldean a lot of country stars have been rocking and rolling they on, have been on, uh, you know country's been making a pretty big resurgence lately it has was it for the song that stood at number one for like fucking ever? Yeah. I, we we don't know. I don't know. But it maybe <laughs> he. I bet he takes credit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know he does. Uh, top streaming songs goes to Arizona Var uh, Zarvas uh, for Roxanne. Uh, I don't know if it's Sting a reinvention of the Police and Stings version, but you know you shouldn't. Um, by the way, if it is, you shouldn't. No, uh, it, it's no. just epic. Ross can tribute to friends. <laughs> um, uh, the top radio song this week is "Good as Hell" by Lizzo. She has been like everywhere basically, social media star and making great music. So kudos to her. Uh, top Billboard 200 albums goes to A Love Letter to You, the fourth edition, uh, by Trippy Red. And the top digital song sales, the artist of the week, and the hot 100 goes to Post Malone for his song Circles. He's had a nice resurgence. Um, Going to be at Hangout, guys. So if you guys want to see yeah. him, go to Alabama, go to Hangout Festival, music festival on the beach. I mean, who doesn't want to see that? I mean, yeah. you got Red Hot Chili Peppers, you got uh, Lana Del Rey, so many others. So, I mean, a lot of huge artists coming to that music festival if you want to get crazy, get drunk, get fucked up. So there you go. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy yourselves. Um, but anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in this week to episode 94 of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm podcast. We got to thank our guest one more time, Tucky Williams, for coming on the show and just letting us hear her side of the story about all this shit that went down with Amazon Prime Video. Yes. Crazy, man. Crazy. And she just shows that you can be a filmmaker no matter where you live in the world. That's it. No matter where you live. If you're in the boonies, if you're like just in the middle of the country, pick up a camera, start shooting, and start putting some stuff together and put it out there because there's so many outlets now. So we thank her for coming on the show. Uh, make sure to follow her on social media. Follow us on social media as well at Crazy Ant Media. Anywhere you are on social media, because we're everywhere. So look up any platforms that you have. Look us up. We are there. It's um, true. We are. Follow us personally on social media. Myself at JLo Fantastic and Crazy Ant Guy nineteen seventy. We are also on every pot on every uh, platform. Uh, Pinterest, we are. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Uh, subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. We're on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, and so many more. 
And make sure to visit our website, crazyantmedia.com, where we put up some stuff about our projects that are, we are working on. We've got a lot of stuff in development that we cannot wait to let you guys be privy to because it's a lot of great shit, guys. And coming from female creators because we are about diversity. Absolutely. So we are all about giving everybody a shot, especially up-and-comers if they are really committed to their stuff their projects so send us over some stuff crazyantmedia at gmail.com um we love reading stuff we love giving critiques we love helping people out because that's what we're all about to be yep, honest yep. and uh someone else who i think is all about helping people out oh bro, bro.